Welcome everyone to episode 169 of the NBA podcast. This is part two of our over-under special. Today we are going to be picking the over-under for every Eastern Conference team. Before we get underway, a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well. Should we still be saying, and we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Network? <laughs> it's been like four or five months. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Well, we'll amend <laughs> it. We'll start it with episode 170, which should be... Oh, sounds good. Should be our league pass rankings. There'll be a big episode all around for us um but today we are gonna last episode we picked the western conference over under for every team today we're gonna do the same thing with the east so if you haven't listened to the western one go back and listen to that if you want to but just a reminder we're using the lines that were released earlier this month from the Westgate las vegas Superbook or whatever it's called um when we say over you know, the well, I'll just say a line. If it's, you know, the Atlanta Hawks, for instance, are 23.5. If we say over, that means we expect them to win 24 or more games. If we say under, that means we expect them to win 23 or less. Some of these we feel less strongly about than others. So as we discuss each team, we'll say, you know, if it's a very obvious one way or the other, or if we think Vegas did a pretty good job with the lines. So... With all of that said, let's go right into the Atlanta Hawks, Mort, at 23.5. Vegas did a good job. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, probably going the under on that one. I agree. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, I, I've been crabbing on their draft a little bit. I did not like their draft. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think they, I think they found a philosophy. They are, they want to gun. They want to yeah. shoot a lot of threes and there are going to be games where those threes are going to go in, mm-hmm. and they're going to just beat the living crap out of like the Knicks, for example. <laughs> right, right. But overall, I think they're going to take a lot of threes, not necessarily make a whole bunch of them, mm-hmm. and that's all she wrote for the season. Yeah, I mean, I like what they are trying to do. You, I mean, you said it well. They're they're trying to build Golden State East. Travis Schlenk, their GM had he was an executive with the Warriors so you know a lot of people have made that comparison they drafted Trey Young and Kevin Herter and they want those guys to be their Steph Curry and Clay Thompson to which we all say good luck and Godspeed mm-hmm. uh, I like their pickup of Jeremy Lin they didn't necessarily maximize their cap space but he's a productive player you're just worried about whether he's going to be hurt um, I like some of their young guys too. I love Torian Prince. I love John Collins. I think both of those guys are going to be studs, if not yep. this year, but down the line especially. I you know I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Justin Anderson, who's now on that team as well. Alex Len's a good like cheap flyer for them. Dwayne Dedman is underrated and yep. broke out a three point shot. My concern with them is a Jeremy Lin's health. Mm-hmm. Um, B Trey Young. He's going to be good. I don't have concerns with him long-term, but rookie point guards tend to be very inefficient. I think that's going to be the case with him. Nothing from summer yeah. league suggested otherwise. 
Also, it sounds like they're kicking the tires on some Kent Bazemore deals, like some salary dump-ish type deals. So if they get rid of him, he I mean, he's a productive player. I think, you know, if you're swapping him out for, say, a Ryan Anderson, that's a net loss for you. So Atlanta had 24 wins last season. They lost Dennis Schroeder. Yes, he was a malcontent in the locker room, but he still put up numbers for them. They feel to me like a 20-21 win team rather than 24. Yep. I, I just don't see who's going to pick up the slack. Right. I mean, like you said, Trey Young is just not there yet. Mm-hmm. He'll get there. Like, yeah, he will, but just not this year. And right. Torian Prince is just not a go-to scorer. Right, right. He's 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 a complimentary scorer who will, will mostly, you know, hit off of passes to to the three point line. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy who's going to facilitate over an eighty two game schedule. Yeah, yeah. He I mean he really turned it on toward the end of the year, which I think he did. You know, gives some hope for him turning into that type of guy long term. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have I just have concerns with like if Jeremy Lin gets hurt. Is Trey Young going to be able to run their offense efficiently? Right. Probably not. No. Yeah. I think their best player, without any question, is going to be John Collins. Collins. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's not necessarily a knock, but it does like put a ceiling on how good you're going to become. Right. Even you know throughout the Western Conference pod, we were saying like, well, the West is just so good that like every night is going to be a bloodbath out there. That's not the case in the East, luckily. So they're going to pick up some easy wins, you know, especially mm-hmm. in their conference. Like Orlando projects to be equally bad, I would say. And the Hornets, things could go very south for them, depending on what happens with Kemba Walker. But even still, I think they're the worst team in that conference. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see, like I said, I don't see who should pick up points here. Jeremy Lin, I think you talked about him as well. He can. I hope he has a good season. Me too. But he should be flipped at some point. Yeah, and I think they might do that. It yeah, would, it wouldn't totally shock me. It would be smart, frankly, if they do. Like, mm-hmm. if, if he's healthy and productive, flip him at the deadline and get more assets down the line because he's not right. He doesn't project as a long-term piece in your puzzle for mm-hmm. Atlanta. Yeah. No, it's it's inevitable when you move on from the Carmelo Anthony era. <laughs> right. I do. They really should get five wins just for sending him that jersey. It's hilarious. (laughs) That was amazing. So good. Uh, The Boston Celtics, I think, is a really interesting one. 57.5. Yeah. Um, So here's the thing. You and I talked on the last episode about Golden State, and you were arguing that they don't care about the regular season anymore. Mm -hmm. I think Boston is already there Mm -hmm. in terms of not caring about that part of the season. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I could see both scenarios. I could see them go o- under and I could see them go over. It wouldn't surprise me if they even like sort of pushed at yeah. 57. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wouldn't surprise me. I, I think they're I think they're thinking far further ahead to the playoffs. I totally They don't agree. care. Yeah. Yeah. That I I have them as the over, but mm-hmm. mostly because I think we're all kind of sleeping on Gordon Hayward. Like he's yeah. really good. And he, mm-hmm. not only that, he's not like I. The, the big concern with Boston this year is division of touches, because you're adding Kyrie back to the mix, you're adding Gordon Hayward back to the mix, Tatum and Brown in the playoffs proved that they could be these kind of go-to guys, which you didn't necessarily know heading into right. last season. 
And Al, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is there. Marcus Smart's there. Al Horford's still there. Horford's not like a high usage guy. I think he'd be fine in a more of a complimentary role. But right, you know, there there, there could be some major headbutting there. Um, I mean, there's there have been rumblings at least that Kyrie Irving is eyeing other destinations in 2019. So who knows? Maybe Boston gets a little gun shy and trades him at some point. Or trades Terry Rozier at some point, since he's going to be a free agent as well. With all that said, I think the amount of talent on that Boston team—they won 55 games last year, even though Kyrie missed, you know, the latter 20 or so games of the season. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And um, then, yeah, Hayward the the entire season. Right, exactly. Hayward missed the entire season, and then like Tatum and Brown put up numbers but once the playoffs came around it seemed like both of those guys took their games up a level i know there's yep. this perception that like tatum is so polished already that like maybe he's just not gonna get that much better like <laughs> maybe he's you know because he plays for a good coach and brad stevens they're already like maximizing his ability i think that's bullshit man yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I i've seen that too that was like, just <laughs> like i think he's gonna get a lot better which is scary like he's really yeah. good already and i think he's right. gonna get substantially better like i it's gonna be damn near impossible to stop that dude from scoring yeah. sooner rather no, that, than that's a bad take that's yeah. been a bad take for a while yeah yeah i agree so I, I mean i think just in terms of like overwhelming talent alone they mm. just have so many guys that could put up points and are good defenders right. and are versatile like i, I mean I could see they could them, win sixty. Yeah, I could see them finishing under, sure, but I could easily see them winning sixty or sixty-five as well. So I, I don't disagree. It, yeah, it hurts my soul, but I'm taking the over on Boston. All right, Brooklyn Nets thirty-two point five. The Brooklyn <sighs> over the Brooklyn Nets almost caused this podcast to break up last year because we because <laughs> <laughs> you were so in on them as a playoff team, and I I was in on them as a twenty-five win team, and we split the difference, but. This year, we do agree. I, I picked the over as well for them. Well, I mean, again, again, Jeremy Lin I missed know. the entire season. Yeah, I know. Come on. Yeah, and D'Angelo Russell missed like 30 games or no, something like that. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, for, more yeah, than 30, yeah, actually. 34. 30, 34 games. So, again, I, I mean, I still think they would have been there. I still think they would have hung around. And now that they're... Better again. Jared Allen is going to go into his second year. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling this is going to be the year that D'Angelo Russell finally breaks out, yeah. big time. Yep. I mean, it just seems that this team could do some damage. And they have a lot of like their bench guys. None of their guys are like really sexy outside of Russell just right. because of his draft pedigree. But yeah. like, I like the talent. In their starting five, like Crab is good, Damari Carroll's good, Rondé Hollis Jefferson's a good defender. They also have some like really intriguing bench guys in Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, Karis Levert, Shabazz mm-hmm. Napier, Spencer Dinwiddie, who was like a, one of the candidates for most improved player last year. Salon Jer- Musa, yeah, Joe Harris, even Kenneth Fareed, like as an energy guy off the bench. I yeah. mean, I I I don't think that Nets team. Again, we could have more of a fight about whether they make the playoffs this year or whether they contend for a playoff spot. But I, I do think they're a 35-win team. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, I mean, I, I, at, at the very least, I think I, that would be probably the basement I would go to there is 35. Because they, they won 28 last year with 
all the issues you mentioned with injuries and so on and so forth. And now, like, a lot of these guys are going to be better. I think. Yeah, because they're young. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can project a lot of internal improvement realistically right. here. Like, most... And they got veteran assistance. Right. Right. Yeah, like, I was going to say, I think of their top seven rotation players from last season, six of them, they were in their age 26 season or younger. Carroll was the only one who was in his 30s. Yeah, I, I think they're going to make noise. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Hornets, 35.5. Oh, under. This, this is going to be a bad year. I mean, they, they've they won 36 each of the past two years. Yeah. So it, I almost wanted to pick the over here, but I'm with you on the under. Look, I mean, look at who they brought in. Mm-hmm. In Mitch Kupchak. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's done making moves. Like, he'll do something in the middle of the season. And he's not, I'm trying to be nice here, analytically inclined. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I don't think that helps them at all. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is going to be Kemba Walker and a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I hope Malik Monk does things, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And we've yet to see if Nicholas Batum is getting moved or not. Right. Yeah. I, I mean... That's my concern with the Hornets as well. They just feel like a team that is teetering on the brink of self-destruction. Right. And, you know, Kemba is in the last year of his deal. If I were the Hornets, I would have traded him in February and probably gotten a pretty good return because he'd still have a year and a half left. Right. They should trade Kemba Walker. Like, he is... They have... The only advantage they have in re-signing him is how much more money they can offer him. But he has to be looking at this roster and realize, like, I'm going nowhere if I resign on this team. Well, all right. So there is one scenario in which he would consider it. And that is if both Malik Monk and Miles Bridges comes out balling. Mm. Yeah. Even if those two guys... Though. yeah, No, but if those two guys come out, come out and prove that they are legitimate NBA starters... Mm-hmm. And they have more in their games. And and to be fair, Miles Bridges has more potential than we kind of talked about. Like, he's one of those players everyone seems to glance over a little bit. Yeah. Because he was a second-year college player. Right. But he's, like, his potential is significantly higher than, say, you know, uh, Mikhail Bridges. Mm-hmm. Or, or, like, a Marvin Williams. Or a Marvin Williams. Mm-hmm. Like, this dude is going to be able to play both forward positions... He can even, on occasion, be moved to center in very, 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 very small lineups where he'll just run hard and send shot backs, rebound, pass. Like, he can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So if Kemba sees that evolution within him and Malik Monk, you know, maybe, maybe there is a world where he sees, oh, okay, when we get all the bad contracts off the books, which, which we will get off the books within a couple of years, Mm-hmm. Like, we'll at least have me earning top dollar, these two guys on low deals. Let's see what we can go from here. What's not great is signing, like, Tony Parker. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we were concerned about their backup point guard spot heading into last year. And I think it's fair to say Tony Parker, even at this age, is an upgrade over Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah, but you drafted Devontae Graham out of Kansas. Yeah. That like, is true. 
I just don't get it. Like, why would you stun that development? Like, Graham is good, but he needs NBA experience to really grow into that role. Like, I just... It, it, again, it's just a Mitch Kupchak move. <laughs> right. I, I think it was mostly he saw how screwed they were whenever Kemba wasn't on the floor last year. So right. So he figured he needed a veteran backup. Now, was Tony Parker necessarily the right choice? That's more debatable. But I, I can understand the logic behind, like, not wanting <clears throat> to go into the season with Devontae Graham as your your number two point guard. Even it doesn't though, matter. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, I know. And that's my thing with Kemba, like going back to whether he'd resign there. Like you said, they in a couple of years, they will be off all of these bad deals. But it's going to take, I mean, Biombo, Williams, and MKG all have player options for next season. There's, yeah. I mean, if Biombo, it's $17 million. If he declines that, he should fire his agent immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Same goes for Marvin Williams at fifteen million, and even MKG at thirteen. I mean, unless he yeah. takes a major step forward offensively, I can't imagine he's getting thirteen million dollars. Like I know teams are going to have more cap space next summer. They're also going to be a bunch of free agents. Like teams aren't going to blow it on MKG. I would be shocked if he got thirteen million dollars next year. Yeah, yeah. So, no, so obviously, like, all of those guys are effectively going to be locked in through 2019-2020. And then Batum, $27 million in 2020-21. Assuming he's still there. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's I guess that's the thing. But Cody Zeller, who is a good player, is Mm -hmm. under contract guaranteed through that season as well. So, like, it just feels like they're going to be trapped in purgatory for a long time. I just... I could be wrong, but I just can't imagine Kemba surveying that situation and then looking at, you know, looking across the league and saying, like, this is my best situation. Like, he could go to New York and just be the king of Madison Square Garden. You're right. I mean, absolutely. I'm just saying that if there are two guys at the same time who are young, yeah, who show life, that yeah. usually changes the conversation. And Jeremy Lamb was really good last year, too. He he was. I keep I keep sleeping on on Jeremy Lamb. I, well, because this was like the breakout that we've been wanting to happen for how many years now? Like five. Exactly. And and to be fair, we did talk about him, but I keep forgetting to talk about him during the summer for some reason. Yeah. I mean, he was good, right? Uh, and and you know, let, let me just look at his contract. He's a, he's, he's up gonna, after this year. He is right. Yeah. So that's another decision, right? Exactly. Like I don't. Much like Kemba, I would be surprised if he looks at that situation and says, "This is where I can maximize my talent and you know win a championship and blah blah blah." This All right, is the best place for me. So I, it wouldn't shock me. Like I think if the Hornets get off to a slow start, it's fire sale time for them. Oh my god! I just had an idea. Oh, I'm excited. So remember, we talked about. Kemba should not be packaged with a bad contract because yeah. it would lower his trade value. Well, what if you packaged him with a great contract? In Jeremy Lamb. Yeah. yeah. That's roughly, what, 19 outgoing? Yeah. Dude. Uh, who, if you who? take, if you, no, no, if you take back a bad contract. Oh, and then just get like you, multiple picks. Like three f- future unprotected first rounders in some capacity. Yeah. Well, there's no no team is giving up that much, I don't think. But yeah. if it's a contender and you're looking at like Kemba Walker, 
mm-hmm. and Jeremy Lamb. Mm-hmm. And like if the, those guys, Jer- you know, Kemba, Kemba can push you over the top yeah. depending on like the right team. Right. I mean, both of those guys would be a valuable addition to any contender. Right. Like if the Spurs could dump Pau Gasol for those two guys. Oh. I mean, look, the Spurs with with. Let me just think. Of that. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that one. Yeah. That's Demar. That's Kemba. Uh, I mean. That's that's Lamarcus Aldridge. That's Jeremy Lamb. Mm-hmm. You still Yaga Pearl. You still have Lonnie Walker, Deontay Murray, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. You're just giving up like Powell and a lot of draft picks. Mm-hmm. And you know because it's the Spurs. Like if they have second rounders, they can sort of make up for it because right. it's the Spurs. Right. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the the fire sale aspect is why I'm picking the under on them, but yep. you never know with them. Uh, Chicago Bulls, twenty seven point five. I didn't love their summer, but I'm taking the over. They won twenty seven last year and they got better. Yeah, I'm I taking mean just the over just too. yeah, just off of internal improvements. I mean Laurie Markkinen, I followed him during the um, oh what was it was it the World Cup. World Cup qualifying or the World Championship qualifying games, mm-hmm. like, ooh, dude has bulked up. First of all, he looks quicker off his feet. He looks more athletic. Mm. Like he's just quicker, and and jumps a little bit higher, and is more nasty. Like he had so many in your face dunks on opponents that were last year. He would hesitate going for it. Like he would do it on occasion, especially when you think about the the dunk at Madison Square Garden. Was it on Cantor? Oh yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but he had a bunch of these where he would just go up. Like he looks really, really more refined and good. I mean, mm-hmm. he looks better. So just off of that alone, that should improve improve them significantly. Mm-hmm. You have Chris Dunn who showed life. You got Wendell Carter Jr. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see a scenario where they're not better. Yeah, Antonio Blakeney too. I think is gonna an underrated pickup for them. I, I love that dude. I I still think that it would have made sense to just keep Blakeney and let Zach Levine go to Sacramento. Right, right. But Levine is at least now, what, 18-plus months removed from the ACL tear? Like, in theory, right. he can actually hit the ground running this year. Same he can. Jabari Parker, too. I know there are concerns about his fit, but, like, he's talented. Yeah. They added talent. They added considerable talent this summer. They did. I mean, just because you play Jabari out of position, which is... Don't get me wrong, that's not a good thing. Right. But like it's it's over like what what were the alternatives, Paul Sipser? Yeah, exactly. I mean I mean the, the devil's advocate would say, Well, the Bulls just were total ass last year until Nico came back. He helped steal them a bunch of wins and then they traded him because they saw what was happening. So like now that Nico's gone, maybe they go back to being that total trash, but I think that's uh, too. Yeah, I think it's too simplistic. Yeah. I, I would yeah, take you over here. Yep, me too. I, I would. I would even go as far as say I would be surprised if they did not win like thirty-two games. Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers are at thirty point five. Uh, probably the under. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised either way. They still have Kevin Love, right? And Colin Sexton, if he has an immediate impact, that could change things rather quickly. And they just got Sam Decker. Yep. 
which I really find interesting. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that that fit because he's going to get a lot of shots. And Sam is, is interesting. Like, he can on occasion play the two, he can play the three, and he can even play a small ball four at times. Like, he's really versatile. Mm-hmm. And he can shoot. He's a sneaky athlete. I kind of like it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go over. But at the same time, like, that loss of LeBron is just so huge. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I mean... I, they also got your boy David Nwaba. Although we, they did. We they still did. haven't seen the contract terms for that, right? Like, it, I think Good. someone. No, I, you're someone right. Reported, I think it was like Shams reported it, and then they. I don't think they've even officially announced the signing. But apparently, if that turns out to be like a minimum contract, the Bulls dropped the ball. Yeah. Well, I, yep. I, yeah, like I don't know if it's even official, but apparently he has a locker in the locker room already. It's. The whole thing is very weird. I they don't... just they just hired him. They didn't sign him. They just hired him. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just be an assistant coach for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I share a lot of those same concerns. I, Colin Sexton, in theory, you're going to, like, George Hill's going to be the nominal starter. But Ugh. you, you're right. Like, you should play Colin Sexton a lot. There is hope that Kevin Love goes back to being Minnesota Kevin Love. Next to Tristan Thompson, I just don't know how that fits necessarily like much like with charlotte i i worry about not necessarily a fire sale in cleveland but like i can't imagine they would be upset about getting off of kyle corver jr smith i know they're like putting up this face about trying to make the playoffs but reality will sink in at some point i would assume pretty Mm -hmm. you know come mid-december or like the end of december early january and if they're sitting well outside of the playoff race, then you probably start to think of like, okay, maybe we should start to try to dump some of these veteran guys and, you know, see what happens. I Like, I do like Larry Nance, and I like Decker as well. Um, mm-hmm. Rodney Hood is still on the free agent market. Are we really surprised about that? No, but I'm saying, like, you have to assume yeah. at this point he's coming back to Cleveland, right? Even on the qualifying oh, yeah. offer? Yeah. Yeah. Like otherwise, his alternative is go play in Europe, which I don't. Oh no! He, yeah, I mean, look, we've crapped on Rodney <laughs> right. throughout the playoffs, right. but he's not—he's not Europe no. ready yet. No, no, no. So like, he'll in theory be back at some point. Like, mm-hmm. they have talent there, but as you said, like the loss of LeBron, LeBron made that team so much better than it was last year. Yep. Like, it, they shouldn't have been, whatever, they were a 50-win team. I, I think they are better equipped to rebuild without him this time than they were the first time when they won 19, 21, and 24 games in their first three seasons without him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're picking the over here, you're saying at least 31 wins. Their max without him in those four years is 33, and that was the fourth year. Yeah. So 31 feels a little high to me. You know what I I keep wondering about when it comes to Cleveland? Why did they sign a 30-year-old to a two-way contract? That's not really... I mean, I, I know there's not an age limit on it, mm-hmm. but like that's not how I would utilize two-way contracts. <laughs> right. Well, didn't you see Dan Gilbert wanted LeBron to leave so he could have his own team back? So oh, that, yeah, that's Now right. we're seeing yeah. Dan Gilbert's bl- brilliance mm-hmm. on full display. You know, lo- looking over that roster, you're also seeing Anse Sisic. Mm-hmm. And and Seti Osman, oh, God, I'm actually starting to flip flop a little bit on this one. And they have I, some intriguing young talent. Yeah, 
Can we just agree that we don't feel strongly? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> about this one. Yeah, like yeah. that could go both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not taking a hard under here. Wouldn't shock me Mm-mm. if they were in the low 30s. I, I would be very surprised if they make the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah. Me too. But yeah, I, I don't feel especially strongly either way. Detroit Pistons are at 37.5. They better be over. <laughs> I mean, for their own sake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were, they got to 39 last year. They, yep. despite adding Blake Griffin midway through the season, they now have, uh, yeah, I mean, I like somewhat, I like the composition of this team. I mean, here my problem with the Pistons is Andre Drummond last year really started to show, like, we, we thought he had stagnated and plateaued. And then mm-hmm. he, Stan Van Gundy, to his credit, started using him more in the high post as a passer. And it really seemed to unlock something with him and, like, give him more upside than we thought he had. And then they go out and add Blake Griffin, who was also a good passer, but he needs the ball in his hands more. So Drummond's touches went down and his assists went down. And then he went back to being the same old Drummond that we thought we knew before. So Mm -hmm. if... We, they can figure out a way. Dwayne Casey's the head coach now. If Dwayne Casey can figure out a way to make those guys play off of each other, they could be really good together. Uh-huh. That said, the rest of the roster, meh. <laughs> it's like. Well, that's know. not my concern. My concern is the big men. Yeah. And here's why. Because we remember when Casey was in Toronto and he had this mentality that Jonas Valanciunas shouldn't play unless he dominated? Yes. And then he sat him down if he didn't, in his eyes, dominate. Yes. Like, that's a problem. Yeah, especially for Drummond. Yeah, because also, like, how do you define dominate? Like, here's the thing. Drummond, he he averaged 16 rebounds last season. Mm -hmm. Like, in my eyes, that's a dominant attribute. Mm Mm-hmm. But if Casey is looking at it through the lens of, oh, you're you're not going up and getting 15 points in the first quarter dominating. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, no, he's not going to do that. Yeah. So, and, you know, Blake might be, you know, be capable of doing that because he, he can go out and get those 22, 23 points a game at least. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's just he has to come in with the right expectation, I feel. Yeah. For these two. Yeah. Like, these are not, you know, do-it-all Anthony Davis big men. Right, right. They're the tier below. Totally. Yeah. And then I also, you know, if Reggie Jackson stays healthy and gets back to the form he showed a couple of years ago, that gives them a pseudo-big three, which is something. But if he It gives them an average point guard, yeah. Right, but if he doesn't stay healthy, then you're relying on Jose Calderon and Ish Smith, two journeymen. Uh-huh. Like this feels like a very top-heavy roster to me. Oh yeah, (laughs) one domino falls and they are a twenty-five win team. But yeah, and like Blake Griffin has not been the picture of health throughout his NBA career, nor has Reggie Jackson. So Mm -hmm. feels like you're playing with fire. But I think with a full training camp for Griffin and Drummond, with a new head coach, maybe there's some potential that they didn't unlock last year. So. As you said, they they better be over. Or, like, I don't know what the hell this team is doing. Luke Kennard for the win. <laughs> no, they need it because I apparently, know. like, Henry Ellenson didn't turn out to anything. I mean, we're we're two years through his, his NBA career right now, and he's he's done nothing. 
Yeah. Well, I think just Luke Kennard just triggers Pistons fans from, you know, being one pick before Donnie Mitchell. Yeah, I, I get it. But I will say, Kennard is, is okay. Yeah, right. I mean, he's not a bad player. He shot forty-one and a half from downtown, seven and a half points in twenty minutes. It's 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 fine. It's just not Donnie Mitchell, right? There there is upside there. Yeah, just not, absolutely, just not Donovan Mitchell upside. Right, and I did like the Glenn Robinson signing. I did too. That's yeah. fair. And, and so there is something. Yeah, there's hope for Stanley Johnson still, maybe. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Moving oh on. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, the Indiana Pacers, forty-seven and a half. Ah, uh, I, I, yeah. So about that. Look, they won forty-eight last year, and they actually upgraded the roster, which yep. is great. So you would think, oh, they have a better record. Um, I think it's going to take at least half a season for Victor Oladipo and Tyree Evans to learn how to play together, mm-hmm. because they're both ball dominant guards and off guards more than you know both of them yeah so they they basically share a position and i think that's gonna cause some some issues initially and hence i'm taking the the under on it Mm -hmm. but that's not a reflection of where i think they end up i think they're going to ultimately be a better basketball team i just don't think we see that better basketball team until like march yeah no it's it's a really good point I mean, it's we talked in the last episode about, especially with the Lakers, how you know they've just undergone so many changes that mm-hmm. the chemistry does take time, and that's what we have to remember with all of these free agents. Like it's rare for a Chris Paul and James Harden, especially another example of two ball dominant guards just hitting the ground running. Like having, you know, that was the concern with them going into last season, and they put that to rest three games into the year like there i mean right. there was no transition period but that's not that's the outlier that's not the <laughs> yeah, expectation that's not the norm. every time so yeah i mean I, I think that's a fair concern i picked the over for them uh in large part as you said they got significantly better this summer not only with tyreek evans also getting aaron holiday you know the doug mcdermott contract i don't love but mm-hmm. adding him as a player, I do. Yeah. Get, getting Kylo Quinn as well. I mean, th- those are all big upgrades over like Al Jefferson, oh, yeah. Lance Stevenson. I also saw a story on ESPN. I forget who it was by, but something about Miles Turner and like how he knew he had a disappointing season last year and he was frustrated by that. And so now he's like turning to yoga. To, yep, I saw that. Yeah. And like, Miles Turner, you know, we talk a lot about unicorns and like this young group of unicorns and it's like Chris mm-hmm. Tops and Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid and even Anthony Davis. Miles Turner has the unicorn skill set. He just doesn't get talked about as much because he's in Indiana and like he's playing second fiddle first to Paul George and then Oladipo and last season wasn't great for him. But like if this new yoga regimen helps him and makes him better, like he's re- he has such high potential, yeah. You know he could be really really good for this team. So because of that, I take a slight over here. But I hear you. I think the Evans and Oladipo chemistry concerns are legit. Right, I agree on Miles. Um, I will say you know you and I mentioned, or I think I mentioned at least uh, earlier this season that that 
he seemed to be just off his game and there was a slight concern that he might uh, have, you know, that his value was more uh, in terms of how he looked at as a, as a potential player instead of us, what he contributes on the court. Mm-hmm. So the I floated the idea of moving him in a deal for Kemba. Right. But if he's going to actually live up to that, which we'll see, I mean... So far, we don't know. He's just only done yoga. That's not an <laughs> right. indication on anything. Right. But uh, if he's going to live up to to that hype and that potential, obviously that changes things uh, tremendously because he's he he can score. He can defend at least the rim. He's not the greatest rebounder, but that could be taught. Mm-hmm. He can shoot, and he's versatile. That those are huge things in today's NBA. So if he puts it together, he could be an all-star big man. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, he he's not like a Hassan Whiteside who we'll talk about in a minute. Like, he's not going to get run off the floor against stretch bigs. He's quick exactly. enough laterally to go and defend, switch between positions and defend stretch bigs, which is even rare for the unicorns. Like Embiid struggles with that. Yep. Towns that's really part- struggles with that. Right. Partly, I think. It helps Miles that he's not, you know, thick. Right. He's he's pretty slender. Yeah. So he doesn't have this this very, uh, you know, thick th- frame to run around with. Yeah, he's not carrying so like that, 275 on him. Exactly. He's he's like 240, maybe even a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And he, but he's still 6'11". He's still got long arms. He can he he takes major leaps. Like he covers a lot of ground. Yep. I just think that helps him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see this Indiana team in action. Like I know they're not they're probably not going to be high on most people's league pass rankings, but they are going to be pretty high on mine. In large yeah. part because I want to see if Miles Turner can put it back together like he was the first two seasons. Mm. So let's move on to Miami. They are at 41.5. Mm. It feels low yeah. to me. Maybe a little. I, I could see a scenario where they ended up there. I'm not high on Miami. They, It's a team full of role players. But they won 44 last year, and they didn't get any worse, did they? No, I, I guess. I mean, is it And they get is it good? back. Yeah, I was just about to say, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> no, he played well for them. He did. The before. But he's he's still inconsistent. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, look, this Miami team is just the definition of meh for me. I'm just I'm not like you can see you can just see the, the the ceiling on this team. I yeah, I mean I I agree with some of that. I think that like they're definitely just a team of role players. I agree with that. They don't have <laughs> despite Gordon Trockage's all-star appearance last year. They don't have a single guy worthy of being an all-star. Like right. Dragic. Including Gordon. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, Whiteside could be, but I you know I'm much I'm much more inclined to think he's going to be a malcontent again. Like he's putting on a good face now, but I think 15 games in the year he's just being the same old asshole that he was last year. My reason for optimism with them is getting Deion Waiters back. Right. Josh Richardson is probably their best two-way player already, and he's young enough where you can expect him to get better. And also we saw some stuff from Justice Winslow, especially late in the season in the playoffs. I think we the did. way they were using him like as this secondary ball handler, especially in like bench heavy units, that really, you know, that made me think there's some upside there he has yet to unlock. 
and he's like just tapping into. So if they make that a priority, and I think they will, especially with him going into a contract year, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't have a single superstar, but there's something to be said about having, I mean, really, the, a, across positions, they have at least two guys worthy of minutes at every single position. There's something to be said about going 10 or 11 deep. Right. Um, I'm going to float a trade idea. Okay. So, you know that Miami's cap situation is pretty messed up, right? Disaster, yep. Yeah. And we were talking about, a couple episodes ago, about the, the Houston rumor with Nicholas uh-huh. Batum for Ryan Anderson, where uh-huh. you essentially go, you know, we have a bad contract, but it's only a two-year, there's only two years left on it, so we'll take that bad, bad contract and take on a worse contract, but for a better player. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked at length at, you know... Portland needing a wing. Oh wow, this is, this is okay. Yeah, you're gonna Evan Turner for James Johnson. Oh, like Portland takes on longer money. Uh huh. And Miami shaves a year off. Does Portland throw in a pick? We'll figure out like the the minutia of it, but like that's the that's the center of it. Hmm. Like it would improve, it would improve Portland significantly. Right, right. but that, then for Miami, that's why I'm asking if Portland throws in a pick. Because if not, if it's just straight up, I don't think they do it. They to, to get out a year earlier. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, James Johnson's good. He's one of their better he, players. He's, I I don't disagree. I love James Johnson, but he's over thirty. Yeah, and that's a long ass contract. I know, but like. For Miami, what's the alternative? Like, you're, you're signed... All of these guys are signed at least... I mean, if any of them decline their player options in the next two years, I'll be shocked. So, like, you're basically at... You're basically already capped out in 2019-2020. Well, that could be the, you know, the beginning. Let's say that Portland throws in the second, okay? Yeah, I still don't do it. I think I would do right. first for Evan Turner. Even on a shorter team uh, or shorter deal, yeah, it's only one year. Just yeah. like I, I think cap space is inconsequential because, like, All even right, if, fair. even if I just desperately want to blow up this Miami team, I desperately want to blow up that Portland team, so I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I don't do that if I'm Miami. I would need a first round. All right, fair. Yeah, fair. I mean, James Johnson provides that like leadership and physicality. And I think it's really mm-hmm. valuable on this Miami team in particular. like And playmaking right, and like defense. Maybe I mean, I'm just yeah. fixated on what they did against Philly in the playoffs, but like James Johnson was a tone setter for them. Oh, no, I mean, again, I am not arguing against James Johnson right. in any way, right. shape, right. or form. He's fantastic. I'm just looking at that cap situation, yeah. and I'm looking at Miami as a whole. I'm just going, look, what was the line? Was it 41 and a half? Mm-hmm. Like I don't care. Yeah, right. Right. I don't care if it's over or under. I don't care if if they win forty five or if they win thirty five. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm with like, you there. They, they're just so not important. Like the, you mentioned, Josh Richardson. He, I would argue he's the best player on that team. I would too. Yeah, I think he's a keeper. I think it's worth giving Justice Winslow, as you mentioned, another another look. Mm-hmm. And Bam Adebayo is a keeper. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Everyone else, everyone else, 
Yeah. I mean, Tyler Johnson, I think, is he's intriguing. I think if his contract was spread out as it was intended to be, or as, like, Brooklyn would have had it, where it would have just been, like, $12.5 million or so across the four years, that would have been better. But because he was one of these poison pill guys, he's just so <laughs> aggressively overpaid for the next two years at yeah. $19 million per year. But, like, he's fine. He's good. I mean, yeah, like, they, they just have a bunch of role players signed to eight-figure deals, which is not a great way to build a team. But Right. I, I, I just mean, want them to start a movement where they take on, like, they give up better players for worse players on shorter deals yeah. so they can get out of this hellhole a little bit quicker. As long as they get picks, I'm good with that. But, I, yeah. like, Evan Turner just doesn't move the needle enough for me. I think that would make them considerably worse. And I think at this point, if you're in cap hell, like the only thing you can do is try to make the playoffs. Yeah. No, I, you know, that logic I follow. Like that logic I follow. They're too talented to tank, basically. Yeah. No, I agree. Then you'd have to have a bunch of follow up moves. Right. Ready yeah. at hand. Right. Yeah. And I think Spo is just such a good coach, too. Like, he's going to coax as many wins out of this roster as pretty much anyone not named Brad Stevens or Greg Popovich. Yeah, he's the lead. And that's almost a problem right now. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee Bucks, 46.5. Over. Me too. Me too. I mean, do we even have to elaborate? (laughs) Can we just say Mike Boonsholzer and move on? Yeah. And Giannis, of course. And Giannis, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Look, they, they were really, aside from Malcolm Brogdon, they were pretty good in terms of, and I guess Delhi too, but they got pretty good luck for Giannis played 75 games, Milton played all 82, Bledsoe mm-hmm. played 71. So, like, health-wise, they were pretty lucky last year. That said, Giannis, there is still room to improve somehow. I'm not really sure what that looks like because he's already so damn dominant and very well could be... I mean, he's going to be an MVP candidate this year, if not the MVP favorite. Yep. Uh, Middleton, we're going to cape for him as long as people continue sleeping on him. Yep. He's excellent. There are some concerns with Bledsoe's fit along those two guys, but he's like he could be productive. I think the Brook Lopez pickup was huge for them. Mm-hmm. As was Ilyasova. Like it just gives them more versatility in that front court. Yep. And he's accustomed to that roster, or at least, yep. oh, sorry, that organization, I should yep. say. Yep. Yep. I, I like I like the fit of this team much better than I did last year. Mm-hmm. Thon Makers entering his third year. Yeah. I mean, here's a hot take. I'm not convinced that... I think Boston, Toronto, and Philly are the three best teams on paper in the East. I would not be surprised if Milwaukee finishes ahead of one of them this season. Yeah. I think that's fair. Damn, I wanted this to be a hot take. That's Fine. not a hot take. <laughs> Fine, moving on. That's, then. Per- that's perfectly logical. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll go to the Knicks then. Twenty nine point five. That's a low bar, and I'm gonna go even lower. Me too. Like, the, yeah. Vegas really seems to be assuming Kristaps not only is playing, but playing pretty early in the year, right? Yeah, I think so. Look. Without Kristaps, this team's like, what, a 17-win team? Yeah, I was going to say 15. Yeah. I mean, they, look. They uh, suck. 
They really do. And I know <laughs> that I've mentioned Mario Hisonia and I really love that pickup. That doesn't mean it's going to translate into wins. No. Not necessarily. No. I mean, he could win them a bunch of games and then leave for nothing. Right. Which would be immensely funny. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I just don't see them being all that relevant. Here's, here's where I'm going. Kristaps played 48 games last season. Right. They were 22 and 26 in those games. So in the 34 games he missed, they won nine games. That's not cool. No, wait, sorry. They won seven games. I overrated how shitty they were. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's not great. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Knicks know they're not going anywhere this season. They've said he's going to miss some, if not all, of the year. Right. They're not going to rush him back, or they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Like, Kevin Knox is intriguing. They have, like, Trey Burke and Moutier had flashes. Frankie Smokes is intriguing. Cantor's still there. Hardaway's going to put up points. But, like, they're probably going to fire sale Courtney Lee at some point. And if Kristaps doesn't come back and play at least 45 or 50 games, they ain't winning 29. Like, they won 29 last year. They played 48 games. I don't think he plays 48 games this year. So it's a clear under for me. The two guys who are going to put up the most numbers, Cancer and Tim Hardaway Jr., are non-defenders. Yeah. So they're not going to contribute on both ends of the floor. They're just going to put up stats. Right. And that's about it. A lot of Knicks fans are looking at at Mitchell Robinson. Oh. And he is intriguing. Absolutely. But he's also a 20-year-old rookie. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's intriguing as a long-term project. Right. Exactly. So it's all about how you gauge it. Yeah. And 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 I've already covered Kevin Knox before in previous podcasts. Like Right. Just he is he's likely going to be be good. Yeah. But d- don't expect big things right off the bat. Right. Like I mean, he's he not might, there. He might have to put up numbers off the bat, but that doesn't bode well for the Knicks if he does. No, or his shooting percentages. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we we are consensus on that one. Orlando Magic. Speaking of bad teams, thirty-one point five. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to Mo Bamba playing point guard. <laughs> right? Like, what the hell? I am not sure what Vegas was thinking there. Uh, no, just no. They've like, had what? They've had one season in the past six that they've yeah. had thirty wins. I mean, look, I I love uh, Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. I think Jonathan Isaac is intriguing. Yep. I think Fournier is good. I think Nikola Vucevic has value. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that this adds up to a winning team. No. Mo, like, Mo Bamba, as intelligent as he is, is not going to hit the floor running as some sort of uber NBA superstar right off the bat, at least. And even if he does, he has Vucevic blocking his way. He does, and that front court is still weird. Yeah, like, like they have way too many front court players and way too few back court players, and virtually no point guard outside of DJ Augustine. Yeah, it's DJ Augustine and Jerry and Jaron Grant. Yeah, that like it that concerns me. I'm worried that it's going to stunt the production of or the development of Bamba and Isaac, especially. Like I, mm-hmm. I lived through this with Philly in the, you know, in the early stages of the process, like they eschewed point guards 
a shoot like good point guards and stuck with journeyman and michael carter williams right and you can argue that stunted the development of nerland's noel and julia Okafor. yep and then when you add a guy like ben simmons who can actually make passes to teammates <laughs> and actually hit them in the hands all of a sudden that offense got a lot better like i think orlando you're i mean, they're gonna have to run a lot of offense through fournier and gordon which i think yep. they can do both of those guys are willing playmakers but i just do not see like where right unless they add another i mean i think they're good they're, they have to make a move at some point they have to trade busevich because he's on an expiring deal and you yep. just need to clear up minutes for gordon isaac and bamba but and i i don't know who you trade him for well, Mitch Kupchak is undoubtedly interested. <laughs> Him for Kemba would... Yeah, okay. If he, if, if they could swing Vucevic for Kemba, <laughs> I take it back. They'll win 32 games. But otherwise, this I mean, this one feels like five wins too high for me. Yeah. They won 25 they, they re- last year. They really need Orlando Magic assist leader Sheldon Mack. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. Philadelphia 76ers, 54.5. I feel that's just right there. Yeah. Like the 55-ish area. That mm. seems so fitting. I'm not I'm just not going to discuss that one. I think that's <laughs> just that I think that just fits right. 55. It seems right. So You you have the under. I know I do. because I you're do. a skeptic son of a something. Well, so here's here's my logic. One if either Embiid or Simmons goes down, that's all she wrote on 55 wins two agreed you can't count they finished the game on a 16 game win streak you cannot count on that type of production again right the the case for them to win 55 or more is that they sucked in terms of bench production until Bellinelli and Eliasova got there like they were basically a, tw- a 500 team until until those two guys came because their bench was so bad like their starters had one of the best net ratings in the league, and then the bench came in and just gave up double-digit leads like every night, and it was right. just rinse, wash, repeat. Right. Uh, now you have Wilson Chandler there. In theory, Markel Fultz is healthy and is mm-hmm. like has a jump shot again. You have Mike Muscala there, so like theoretically, they have a good bench right away, and that should help them get off to a faster start. You can also project again that like. A lot of their guys are so young that you can project improvement for Embiid. You can project improvement for Simmons, Sarich. You know, the, Fultz is the big wild card, of course. Like, you can project improvement for him because anything would be an improvement over what he gave last year. Yep. So, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I think this is right in line. They're, they're probably somewhere in the 52 to 56 area. So, like, I don't feel... I wouldn't bet on this line at all. I don't feel good about picking the under, but it just I'm never gonna feel confident in Joel Embiid staying healthy. He can play the next ten seasons and not miss a game, and I'm still always every time he hits the floor, I'm gonna get nervous. Um their their rookie curse has already claimed Zaire Smith, unfortunately. Not that yep. he was gonna make a huge impact this year, but it's just a, as is tradition, one rookie has to miss some, if not all, of his rookie season. Nah, that um, was unfortunate. Yeah, that was a bummer. So, yeah, I don't feel great about picking the under here, but uh, I don't know. It, it just feels like that's a little high. I think that that 
16 game win streak plus just beating the piss out of Miami in the first round really raised expectations for this team and you have to think back to like early February they were they were looking like a 7 or an 8 seed like they were still a year away from really becoming an Eastern Conference power so maybe Embiid does come back and improve his conditioning and he he's like you know he said he wants to have an MVP caliber season maybe he does and maybe that pushes them over maybe maybe Markel Fultz does have a jump shot resembles his you know, pre-draft self, and that pushes them over. But otherwise, it feels like, you know, 52-53 would still win the under bet, and that's still saying they're going to be a top three, top four seed in the East. Hmm. I have nothing to add. You, it's the Sixers. You covered everything, <laughs> of course. All right. Then let's move on to the Toronto Raptors. Also tied with the Sixers at 54.5. Uh, I'm going to go with the over on that one because I'm going to be optimistic and say Kawhi is healthy. Yeah. I have nothing to back that up with, though. <laughs> right. Uh, if he's not, it's definitely under. Yeah. But I want to be optimistic. I do, too. And so I would also pick the over. Uh, I mean, they won 59 last year. Yeah. Lo- losing DeRozan and Jacoperta will hurt, but they have... I mean, Danny Green... It can at least fill DeRozan's spot in the lineup. They have Pascal Siakam, who they can slide over to the five, and as their backup center, or Serge Ibaka can get backup minutes at the five. Like they have. Well, they sent for Greg Monroe. They oh yeah, they did. Yeah, I'm not super high on him making a gigantic impact, but well, no, but like he he's playable. Right, he is playable. He's definitely playable. And we, I mean, we talked about Toronto in length after the Kawhi trade but they're like boston to me they just have such good defense Mm -hmm. and such good wing depth that i think they're going to be really tough to beat most nights like even if kyle lowry gets hurt they've got d-line right and fred van vliet even if danny green gets hurt they have cj miles and norman powell even if Kawhi's not healthy they still have og who was great last year as a rookie like they've got I mean that a lot of this is a lot of these regular season over unders are like which teams are equipped to deal with one of their stars missing 10, 15, 20 games. I think the Raptors are one of the teams best equipped in either conference. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, I'm looking at not just the the roster reconstruction. I'm also looking at Nick Nurse, the new head coach, mm. who was supposedly the architect of going deeper and wanting a more spaced out offense. Mm-hmm. Now that you replace Demar with Kawhi, even if Kawhi's not fully healthy, mm-hmm. and you know he, but 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 he's playable. He's already a better three point shooter, yeah. So he's going to stretch the court more, which is going to open up a whole bunch. And like I mentioned, we in the Detroit segment, like Nick Nurse is not going to come in with the whole. Hey Jonas, you need to dominate to get right, minutes. Right, right, right. Which means we might actually see some possessions go down to Jonas, who's actually effective as a post-up player. Like I know mm-hmm. the post-up is dead, yada yada. yada. He's effective down there. He can yeah. score near the rim. Yep. And when you can dump that ball down, that means that there are players around the court who can take a possession off. Mm-hmm. Even if that shot is missed, yeah, that's. I mean, if he shoots sixty percent down there, it's fine. You take those percentages. Right. 
but then you can have a, a, a few positions here and there where guys who were sprinting to the corners may not need to go balls to the wall. Mm-hmm. And I think that carries some weight when you're looking at the long-term picture for the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's finish things up then with the Washington Wizards. Yeah. 44.5. Over, I think they are considerably better. I do too. Yeah. We, yeah. we haven't really talked about them. Yeah, so let's do it. They were 43 yep. wins last year. Uh, mm-hmm. John Wall played 41 games. Yeah. Uh, well, outside of that, it's just they upgraded a lot. They mm-hmm. got some much-needed help on the wing. Troy, I'm so high on Troy Brown. <laughs> I know you are. Yeah, I, I know. I've talked about him at length. And I, I know that there is a risk that he's not going to be you know, NBA-ready right off the bat. Right. But just having a body who's playable on the wing off the bench, whose name is not Kelly Oubre, mm-hmm. is amazing for him. They also got Jeff Green, who is and off Jeff the lines. Green. But like in Cleveland last year, he played well. That is true. And they got Austin Rivers, who right. can play both the one and the two. Yep. And as much as we, you know, you and I have different opinions on him, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard is still playable. Yep. And he will give you a double double. Yep. The thing is, what is he going to provide in the locker room? That's a right. fair and valid question. Right. But I have this sense that maybe after switching teams for the what the fourth consecutive summer? yeah like this many times yeah like this needs to be a wake up call yeah right when you get traded for Timofey Mozgov right or the corpse of Timofey Mozgov I should say yeah and what did what did Dwight sign for it was pretty low like yeah five point he's getting 5.3 million this year mm-hmm. like in, in in the nba salaries is a big indicator of where you are as a player right i think by signing that contract dwight was also on some level acknowledging oh okay i'm not as attractive as i used to be mm-hmm. no one came up on you know day one and said hey we want you right right well i think you know for he signed for that little because that was just the taxpayer minimum level exception. He's getting his full salary, like the net. He did what Melo did, basically. Like right, the but Nets are paying this, him. Yeah, his full but at salary. the same time, you know, no team was actively going for him. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think he understands that this situation is not like the customary superstar treatment. Like, right. he was paid to go away. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, that's. Especially for a Brooklyn team that, in theory, could have used him. Mm-hmm. Like, that had to have been somewhat humbling to get waived right away. Or to or he doesn't recognize it, and we're going to have a debate about this in December. Right. I mean, that is that is the concern with the Wizards. It's much like with what I'm fearing for the Timberwolves is, like, on ta- or yeah, on paper, in terms of talent, they are clearly better than, a, you know, they're at least a 45-win team. Yeah. Chemistry-wise... They could bring locker guns into the locker room by midnight. <laughs> like, it, it could get yeah. really bad. I mean, John Wall hated Gortat, so maybe getting him out of there is going to improve. But John Wall could also grow to hate Dwight Howard very quickly, or anyone else. Because right. yeah, is yeah. is John Wall on the Wizards after this season? Ooh, I. Th- I think so. Because I, I just don't know who you trade him for. His his Supermax kicks in next year, I think, right? It does, I know. 
But, so. you know, hello, Mitch Kupchak. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, I mean... Well, there you go. If you're looking for a Kemba plus Jeremy Lamb, John Wall is making $19 million this year. But here's the thing, though. When he has that extension kicking, kicking in, isn't he a poison pill? I think he... He can't be traded for a year after signing it. And I think he oh, signed yeah, that's, it in... July. Oh, so last I, year. I, it's over a year. As far as I know, he's he's good to go. All right. That would I work. Think, yeah. Yeah. I believe so. I could be wrong. So apologies in advance if I am, but I think yeah. he is eligible to be traded at 19 yeah. million this year and then he's going to get that absurd yeah. contract. But for Charlotte, cap space doesn't matter. So maybe that Actually, is the play. I, I to be honest, I don't think he ends up in Charlotte. I think I think if anything he ends up in Orlando. Oh God! Oh, it would solve their point guard problem. Uh, yeah. Who do they trade? I guess they could flip Fournier. Well, actually, I was kind of thinking Vucevic and stuff. Oh, but why would Washington want that? To get out of that supermax. Yeah, but you've already got Dwight Howard. Well, Vucevic isn't supposed to stay there. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Or just get it. You can do a three-way deal or something and move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can be creative. You can yeah. be creative. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I mean, like, it wouldn't totally shock me if this Wizards team was top four in the East. It also wouldn't shock me if they just completely, like, as you said, John Wall, like, <laughs> hates it so much that he needs to be traded by January. Right. I, I love the makeup of the roster. I will say yeah. this. It's just the problem is... You know, John Wall seems to be sort of a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, now we've had so much smoke that you have to listen. Right. Well, because he had, had his whole thing about, like, how him and Bradley Beal don't always love each other. And, you know, he he's thrown teammates under the bus left and right over the past mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. Not only Gortat, but, like, but I, it just will always stick in my mind, the Otto Porter thing, like, before he became a free agent. And he was like... You know, we're set at the one and the two and the four and the five. And, like, with all due respect to Otto, we really need Paul George. <laughs> like, there's no way Otto didn't see that and be like, oh, cool. Yeah. Screw you. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's ruining it for himself because John Wall, like, we can agree that his talent level, like, if we take away the, the weirdness of his character... Right. Like, from an on-court perspective, especially last season, like 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. where he averaged 23 points, almost 11 assists, two steals, and all that. Yeah. Like, that's actually worth the Supermax. Yeah. Like, that's... Like, he, he was a top 15, top 20 player in that oh, season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, absolutely. Like, if not top 10, he was great. Yeah. And, and the thing is, he can tap into that. Right. But on occasion, he doesn't. And then when he doesn't... He points the finger elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm looking at last year, I know he missed half the season with injuries and that's affecting him. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when he was pointing fingers, I mean, I saw so many games where he was disconnected. Oh, yeah. And he just, like, where I looked at him and went, you know what, John, you should you should point that finger inwards. Yeah. Like, you just stood there, did nothing. Right. right. Yeah. Defensively, especially, was a big oh, concern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He took so many possessions off, but also offensively. Like, he would dump the ball in. To, or, or outside even to Mark to Markeith Morris, mm-hmm. and then just like disengage, just like loaf around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm 
I mean, I think the Warrior or the the Wizards will be high on my League Pass team as well, just because I I want to see how much they visibly hate each other on the court. Yeah, that's fair. Be fun. Well, that's going to do it for our Eastern Conference over-under. Again, if you haven't listened to the Western Conference version, that was the episode before, so go check that out. You can also follow us on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We would love any feedback. And we are being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Thank you, Brian. You too. I'm looking forward to the League Pass rankings because that's always the fun one. Yes, that we're unless any big news breaks, that will probably be our next episode. So keep an eye out for that in the coming days as well. Oh shit! That reminds me, we didn't do like an emergency podcast for Shams Urania going to the <laughs> Athletic. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll pour one out for the Yahoo Sports coverage because. Uh, Sounds like they're going to be undergoing some changes in the coming days. Yeah, yeah, I I would say so. Rebuild. (laughs) Hire Sam Hankey.